0: listening to a podcast from Turners Hill Free Church. For more information and resources visit turnershillfreechurch.org.uk We're going to be continuing the series that uh, we're looking at Acts and uh, thank you Jeff for letting me be included in the series. I really think that's a privilege and an honour to be um, preaching from these uh, chapters, because they're, they're so exciting, expansive chapters, and we're going to look how that was uh, possible in Acts 10 in a little minute, um, but just a bit more of introduction. Jackie and I were reading in uh, 1 Chronicles this week, and uh, if you've ever read the first nine chapters of Chronicles, I wouldn't really <laughs> recommend them as... Uh, Good reading. There are over 600 names in ancestry mentioned in those nine chapters, Uh, but there is one name that stands out, and you may not even have heard of him. Still, his name is Jabez, and uh, it means "born in pain." And it says about him that uh, he prayed to God that God would extend his territory. That seems strange. (laughs) prayer to make, not one I've made myself, but we have to look at the reason why he's uh, asking that, to extend his territory, and it's because he wanted to do good in the land and he wanted to show God's power. They're lovely reasons, aren't they, that uh, we could extend. And that's what Luke's gospel is all about, really, the kingdom of God being extended here on earth. Can you hear me when I move away, or is it it blowing yeah, I, I need both hands to hold on. Um, <laughs> so, um, just a little bit of a background, really. Um, they're looking, uh, the children, aren't they, at Acts 1, really. And Acts 1, um, the, the disciples are commissioned. Acts 1.8 says, When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Luke, in his book, shows us, right through every chapter virtually, just how this is happening. I just want to uh, relay some of those events to you very briefly, just pointing them out, and then Jack is going to come and read chapter 10, which is our piece for today. Acts 2.47, well, in Pentecost first, of course... 3,000 people were added to the church after Peter had spoken in Acts 2. Acts 41, Acts 2.41. And uh, Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the number of those being saved daily, on a daily basis. Acts 4, many heard the message and believed, and their number grew to about 5,000 people. Big increase. Acts 4, there were daily additions to their numbers. Acts 6, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith, breakthrough into the the Jewish church there. Acts 9, the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and grew in numbers. So we've gone beyond Jerusalem, we're into Judea and Samaria, already expanding geographically as well as numerically. And in Acts 11, we get Paul and Barnabas on the scene. They've moved north into Antioch. And it says they met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And Luke adds, this is where the disciples were first called, what? Christians. Acts, uh, sorry, yeah, Acts 11:26. Acts 12... The word of God continued to increase and spread. Acts 16, Paul and Silas now together. In what is modern day Turkey. Uh, And later they move into Macedonia, into northern Greece. It says, as they travel from town to town, the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. We're really expanding now. We're getting towards the... uh, in those times, the ends of the earth, the uttermost part of the earth, as Jesus had predicted. And um, Acts 12, um, the word continued to grow and spread. And Acts 19, now in Ephesus, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And the final um, chapter of Acts, chapter 28. How far is Paul from Jerusalem? Well, he's in Rome. He writes it right up the Well, halfway up Italy on the left-hand side. Um, So that's how far the gospel is spread in in just a few years. Uh, Without the uh, communication skills that we we have today, where messages can go almost instantly around the world. God is revealing his plan of salvation. And without the event we're going to look at this morning, uh, this may have been thwarted. It would have happened, of course, but it may have been hindered. Or delayed. You see, while we read the whole chapter, the whole story, we want to get our heads around it, don't we, and and see just what went on and when it went on and how it went on and the change from the beginning of that chapter with Peter uh, until the end. Um, Surely not, Lord. He starts and he ends. Who can stop me baptizing these people? And they're Gentiles. So what a turnaround for him. A completely alien from his culture, from his upbringing, from a Being a Jew, to becoming a Christian, um, as we've seen, um, a follower of Christ, and how God has opened his heart to to see the need for for Gentiles uh, to come into the kingdom, not only Jews. So the story is that Peter was up on the roof. I'm starting with Peter. Um, and he was in um, Joppa. Joppa, a Mediterranean town, um, became Jaffa and Tel Aviv is pretty much there now today, uh, quite close to that. And um, so that's where he was. I don't know if he's on holiday or the seaside in the Mediterranean, but uh, I don't think so because he'd just done a healing uh, the day before, bringing a person back to life. So he was it's a working holiday. Um, but he was by the sea, there at the house of Simon the Tanner, and uh, God intervened in his life. He saw this vision, he was up on the roof, he was hungry, and he fell into a trance, and the meal was being prepared downstairs for him, uh, but this very revealing sheet comes dropping down from heaven with all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles sort of held up by the four corners, miraculously, and uh, Peter saw this three times and couldn't understand quite what it all meant. And then he heard a voice saying to him, Peter, kill and eat? Surely not, Lord. Surely, no, I I can't do that. I can't kill anything that's unclean or impure as the words he uses I've never eaten that I've never killed anything like that this is completely alien to my thinking surely you're not asking me to do this and then uh, Peter was wondering about this and there is a knock at the door uh, do you ever watch those films that go back and forward in time and uh, one minute you're here and the next minute you're another time completely I'm just going to do that now so I'm going back one day And uh, we go to Cornelius. And uh, Cornelius um, was in Caesarea. And uh, Caesarea is also on the Med. It's about 30 miles north of Joppa. And it was a port. And Caesarea was named after Augustus Caesar, or Caesar Augustus, however you'd like to put it. And uh, he had made quite a, a place there, really. There was a garrison of Roman soldiers, so they used the harbour there as a supply route and uh, up to 6,000 men could be there at any one time it has different regiments Um, there was the um, let me see what it was the Augustine regiment there was the Imperial regiment and uh, if you look in Acts 27 it's the Imperial regiment who are tasked with taking Paul to Rome uh, and uh, to stand charge there. they were guarding him and then there, was the, there were other regiments as well, the Italian regiment, of which Cornelius was uh, a Roman centurion in charge of 100 people. So Cornelius is uh, a Latin name. So uh, he was in charge of the Italian restaurant. He had a, an Italian name, restaurant... <laughs> Italian restaurants are very good (laughs) too. Regiment. And uh, I suggest that he was a Gentile. And it does say that, that he was actually a Gentile. He was Italian, a commander, and in that regiment. And he also had a vision. A vision where an angel came down and said to him, send some men to Joppa. Uh, We don't know how they travelled but uh, the knock comes at the door and uh, somebody answers it and says Peter, it's for you and he goes down and says, I'm expecting you what is it you want me to do and they relay the story of the dream that um, their master, these were soldiers and um, that uh, Cornelius had had to Peter and uh, the spirit tells him don 't be afraid to go with these people. be prepared to go." So he invites them in, and they stay overnight, and uh, they set off the next morning and uh, he takes a few of the believers with him and the soldiers and uh, I was thinking, I wonder how they got there because thirty miles north, hot sun, how do they get there? Uh, do they go by foot, probably do they go?" On horse, maybe. Were the chariots, these were Roman soldiers, could they, could they have gone in a chariot? Or could they have caught the train? Anybody think they might have caught the train? You laugh. Do you know, we had a verse this morning, and I, I was hesitant to bring this. And, uh, of course, what we're talking about is a camel train. So he could have gone with that. Um, it was kind of the M1 down that part of the country. It came from Tyre down to Caesarea, to Joppa, down to Gaza, and right down to Egypt. And I said to the Lord, "Um, could he have gone on a a camel? And we read this this morning, we were reading in Isaiah, chapter 30. And uh, because we've been in Chronicles during the week, and it changed to Isaiah this morning. And this is what I read. The envoys carry their riches on donkeys' backs, their treasures on the humps of camels now how did that come into our reading this morning Uh, but God put it there God enabled us to see that 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 was there and so Peter makes his way somehow maybe on the train maybe not to north to Caesarea and uh, they arrive and, and it's the next day and Cornelius is there And he's expecting them to come. He welcomes them. And he's gathered a lot of people into the house. Uh, Family and friends. uh, Maybe some other soldiers. And Peter says to him, look you chaps, I'm not supposed to be here. Because I am a Jew and you are Gentiles. And it's against my religion, former religion now, (laughs) to be here. Uh, but God is said, has said to me, I am not to think of any man, any man at all, as being impure or unclean. God does not show favouritism, this is what he says, but accepts men from every nation that fear him. What a transformation in Peter's own life to start with, isn't it? He was asked to kill animals that were forbidden to him. And his reaction is, surely not. You're not asking me to do this. And now, just a few verses later, he's saying, God accepts everyone. So as Luke is explaining, this is a vast expansion of the gospel. We saw last week, didn't we, from the Ethiopian, how the gospel travelled south, down back into Ethiopia. And now we're to see how the gospel is going to go North up into um, Syria, Damascus, up into Asia Minor, Greece, Turkey, Macedonia, and finally right up into Italy by the end of the book. So God has opened up His way. Don't forget the um, verse that we started with, Acts 1:8. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, starting at Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. Luke has seen this vision that God is giving salvation to all the world and not just to the Jews. So Peter preaches the gospel. It's important because that's how men come to belief. Um says so somewhere by the foolishness of preaching. But God honors preaching and he spoke about Jesus' time on earth, he spoke about his death He spoke about his resurrection. He spoke about they'd they'd met and eaten and drunk together after his resurrection and that he was now ascended. And by this means, God has saved his people. And he comes to the conclusion very quickly because what happens? The Holy Spirit is poured out on people. God is doing a work here. God is in their midst. He's in their presence. He's come amongst them and he's spoken to them through Peter. What a transformation in Peter's life. The other things we need to remember how he was too embarrassed to know that he knew Jesus during the time of his trial. Three times he was asked, no, I don't know this man. You're with him. No, not me. No, I don't know. And he walked away. And Jesus spoke to him afterwards that and he said, you're going to be the one to feed my lambs and my sheep. I don't know what that meant to people. Peter at that time, but here he is. He's heading up the church at this time and he is uh, going out uh, of his comfort zone into a Gentile's house and there's Cornelius, the first documented... Gentile to be converted and to uh, come to God. He was a searching man. He was a God-fearing man. We don't know quite what context that is in, but he knew some, he needed something in his life. He got to that point. So he, he must have known about Peter. He sends for him. And uh, he's 30 miles down the coast. That's quite a long way away in those days, isn't it? To, uh, to travel. It's a good day's walk I should think, if he didn't catch a train. But it's he was there and he was asking and uh, he had good men to send and they were honourable and God has planned all this out, it's amazing but here he is, just a few chapters along in Acts and there he is expanding he's already expanded into uh, Samaria uh, an alien p- place for Jews to go and into Judea where they were a little more comfortable and uh, Jerusalem The the church was quite big in Jerusalem by this time. And now he's going forward into Gentile land. And uh, there there he is. So he preaches and he says, I can't stop these people from being baptised. The Spirit has come amongst us. Who can can keep these people from being baptised with water? Now, what he does next is interesting. We didn't read that, but going on into chapter 11... Uh, this is a new departure for Peter. It's a new departure for the church. He feels he should go back to Jerusalem and tell the elders there that uh, what has happened, and this is he believes God has opened up the church. And it says in 11:18, um, when they heard this, they raised no further objections and praised God, saying, "God has granted even to the Gentiles." Repentance unto life sounds a little bit sarcastic, doesn't it, really? But I'm sure they meant it with the best intentions. <laughs> but uh, yes, even those Gentiles can, can be included. Uh, and that's just what I want to say to you is the three points about Peter. Um, they're very simple points. And um, the first one is Peter listened to God. And they're pretty obvious points as well. But he really did listen, didn't he? Have we had a dream at night, woken up the next morning, forgotten all about it? Peter didn't, did he? He responded. He listened to God. Uh, It says when the people came, he was wondering about the meaning of the vision and pondering on what it meant. And uh, when the people knocked at the door, he was still mulling it over. And the Spirit said to him, don't hesitate to go with these men. Now, God still speaks today. I just want to assure you that God still speaks today. He speaks to us. He speaks to you and me. Um, That incident this morning when we read God's word, I was kind of searching for that answer. Were the camels involved there? It's a silly thing, isn't it, really? But there's God giving me the answer before I'd even ask. And he says that in his words, doesn't he? Before you ask, I I know what you're coming for. But we're uh, instructed to ask, we're instructed to seek, we're instructed to uh, go to him. We, um, We know the answer to these questions. We don't know the answer to these questions unless we're listening to God. So we need to approach him, we need to ask him to speak to us, and we need to be listening we need to do that, I suggest, every day. We need to have that close walk with God that obviously Peter had got. He knew it was God that let down the sheet. He was prepared to listen to him. So have we missed an opportunity to do something for God because we've not heard clearly what he's been saying to us? Have we supposed to gone and have written to somebody or talked to somebody, or invited somebody, but we haven't really listened to what God is saying to us. It took three times for the prophet Samuel when he was a little boy to understand that it was God speaking to him. Do we mistake God's voice for somebody else? Or are we open to him? Are we listening to him? I said this the other day, last Sunday morning, I prayed, Lord, show me someone I can help today. Don't pray that every morning, it's a dangerous prayer to pray, really. But I did, and at the end of the service, uh, Graham rushed across me, and I don't think he asked anymore (laughs) and not got a response. I don't think he had. And he said to me, My nose won't stop bleeding. Will you take me to the hospital, please? And of course I made this uh, promise to the Lord earlier that day and what could I do but to take it. And uh, he was seen and uh, given some more help but uh, we don't—we're just want to pray now. Graham's nose has bled today or last night? Today. Lord help Graham we pray overcome this problem. Be with him. Show yourself to him. Lord he's answered your call. He, uh, he wants to do this for you Lord. So enable him we pray with good health. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, a good little diversion there, I think. So, the second thing I want to say, Peter listened to God. The second thing, Peter was willing to change. The old joke says, How many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? Change? <laughs> Are we open to change? Are we holding something back? Are we willing to listen and to hear what God has said and to change? What a significant change Peter made in his life. He was a devout man. He didn't enter anything, eating anything unclean or impure, as he called it, and he didn't go into the house of a Gentile. But... He was directed to do so. And he was able to make that change. Because God and his spirit had intervened in his life. Some of these things on our own, it would be quite difficult to do, to make changes. And um, I heard a tip once, if you want to change something in your wife, try changing it in yourself. Because that might be easier. Um, So, change... Is sometimes hard. And we need God's help. And Peter had it. He knew this was the Spirit guiding him. Don't hesitate to go to these people. He didn't know what he was walking into when he got to Cornelius' house, but they explained it to him. and Peter was able to come out with a very succinct, and it might be shortened in Luke's account, but he got the basic points across, didn't he? That this was Jesus who we need to follow. So be willing to change has God been asking you to do something and you're resisting or saying no or turning him down be careful test all things see if it's really God asking you to do that and don't wait until you are ready many missionaries have gone out before they are ready and God has enabled them if you've got the clear call from God he wants your availability and he will give you the ability. He will speak to you. Moses wasn't a very good speaker, apparently, was he, when he went to Pharaoh and he said, uh, I can't speak. To you. So take your brother with you, he'll speak for you. But you go. And he became probably Israel's greatest leader. Am I holding back something in my life? Am I holding back the church? Terrible thing, wouldn't it, really? Am I bound in my past by something that won't seem to let me go? What does God's Word say about this? You can finish the sentence. If the Spirit shall set you free. 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 Indeed. Indeed. Freedom. God has given us a freedom. Freedom of choice. It's how we use that choice as we follow him that's the important thing. And the closer we are to him, the more we're listening to him, the easier it will be to make that choice. Maybe giving up some. maybe a change of lifestyle. So, Peter was willing to listen and to change, and Peter was willing to act. Now, if we're listening and we're open to change, the third thing's got to follow through, hasn't it? We have to act upon that change. He was willing to make that 30-mile trip. He was prepared to get up and go. He didn't know what was before him. And uh, it was a new and untested way. He had new things to say. But he was bold. He was up to what God had set him. How bold are we today? How are we going to act? Do we say to ourselves, I could have done better? I've missed an opportunity. I should have spoken out. I should have sown love. I should have given hospitality. I should have been more generous. Missed opportunities. Time to act. And we don't take it. Guilty. I suspect you are as well. Missing the opportunities, God-given opportunities, to do something for him. Paul says to Timothy, don't be timid in your ministry. Be forthright. Be upfront. Proclaim the truth. I'm amazed at uh, how many people in this church have a job in the church and do things, whatever they are, practically, musically, spiritually, pastorally. I'm amazed how many of you are involved, and I congratulate you. But there's really more. Uh, We need more children's teachers, children's helpers. there are jobs done, situations vacant, ones for you, if that's what's on your heart today, don't let that pass by. Maybe there's a step you need to make. We have made that easier for you to do. And here it is. You can't see it, but it's right there. Are you considering baptism? Would you like to commit yourself to God's word? Would you like to witness to your belief? May that help you to grow. Here's an opportunity to come and put yourself through the waters. And say to God, here am I. Help me. Send me. Give me a job. Get me involved. This is a church of brothers and sisters and family. We care for one another. We support one another. We encourage and comfort one another. We sometimes cry together. We rejoice together. This is the family of God at work. This is what people saw in Acts 2 and Acts 4, how the church was operating in Jerusalem at the time. And it can come here all are welcome. We are inclusive in that way. Nobody will be barred. We want you to come under the truth of the gospel. Not the world's truth. Not the falling standards of the country. But God's everlasting truth. The same yesterday and today and forever. So the three points that... Peter was wised up to he was listening he was willing to change and he was willing to act that openness to God's word had some pretty amazing results the gospel spread rapidly and of course it's gone much further than the ancient world today that um, it's reached Turner's hill and uh, we, are, we are, we Gentiles, are included in God's church. The rest of the book of Acts is pretty much devoted to Paul's missionary journeys, spreading and spreading out, as we've already looked at. And in the last chapter, Luke records these words in Acts 28. And these are written while Paul is under guard, awaiting trial in prison. And he says this, last verse two from the end of his book, or Luke's book. I want you to know that God's salvation has been given to the Gentiles, and they will listen. You folks have listened. That's why you're here this morning. Paul's mission was completed. He'd done what God asked him to do. What a prize he had.